Hello and welcome to Jeffrey Goes To. My name is Gordon. I'm here with my brother John. Hello. And this episode is talking about gigs we've been to see Placebo. Before we get into that, you can follow us on social media at Jeffrey Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. And we have a website, which is jeffreymusic.rocks. So to the gigs. So if you've listened to the Patty Smith, the Jeffrey Goes to Patty Smith episode, there will be a bit of deja vu because the venues are pretty much are the same. And uh, are they? I thought you went to see Placebo at the O2 in Leeds. No, this is this is Bearded Fairy Festival and Catton Hall in Derbyshire. But you did go and see them later, more recently, in Leeds at the O2 on the same tour. Yes. So we went last year in 2022 for our wedding anniversary because um, Placebo is my wife's favourite band, or certainly one of them. And Patty Smith was playing the other night, so we went as a as a treat. We have subsequently seen Placebo, yes, at the O2 Academy, but that's more strictly on the the album tour for the for the later album. Officially, this is from the 27th of May 2022, because we're sti- sticking with the festivals. This isn't a rule that I know about. You seem to be making stuff up. Well, it, it is a rule you know about, because we try and line up the tours. So if I pick the tour... Yeah, the tour. It's different, whereas we've picked festivals... The fact that the set lists are basically the same is is kind of irrelevant. Yeah, it may well be a moot point. We may be uh, splitting hairs for the, for no particular reason here, but still, it is a bit. But I'm just sticking to the rules that you know we made up, and somebody's forgotten these rules that didn't cover the case of festivals. We're already cheating a little bit, so I thought we will uh, try and uncheat a bit by saying at least they're both festival gigs. So let's go on with this. So I went to Noches do Botanico, which is a series of concerts in Madrid, which are set in the botanical gardens of uh, one of the universities. They call it a festival. It isn't really, but it's really, really nice. I've I've seen quite a few bands there over the years. Patti Smith, you mentioned, for example, it holds about 3,000 and it's outside and it's set in a in the center of these gardens and it's got lots of kind of bars and stalls around hidden away in the gardens. So it's not cheap. Um, if you want a if you want a butty and a beer, it can set you back a fair few quid. But it's really lovely, and yeah. So I went to that. What, what about you? Where did you go? What was it like? The festival you went to? It, it's a festival, so it was a, a field in Derbyshire. We sort of pushed our way to the front as much as we could. A couple of, I think, before the the band before who I can't remember who they are, and just hoped that everyone would go away, and that was largely the case. So we got. At the front, we were quite off to the side a little bit in front of the speaker. So stage right, as you look at it. I think stage right is stage left or stage. What you're calling stage right is actually called stage left. Yeah, I got pretty near the front, too. I didn't actually mean to because I was I turned I was on my own and I turned up quite early. And my idea was just to have a sandwich, have a beer, just relax a little bit, take in the, the lovely ambience of the place and then maybe stand somewhere i don't know near the back or whatever not make too much of a fuss but in the end there was quite a lot of time and i just joined a queue because i'm british and before you knew it we all got let in and i was in the second row right in front of brian and i didn't know where brian was going to be either because the, the their microphones weren't on the stage at the time so it wasn't that clear yeah for leeds was stage right as well a similar place but actually in the balcony so we had a good view of stefan and his ridiculous amount of pedals i have to say no idea how you can possibly know which ones to press 
Well, he plays a few different instruments, so maybe that's it, because the guitar, the bass, etc., different guitars. Yeah, but he's got lots of pedals. But I'm not, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Stefan's playing, if I'm honest. I don't, the way, the way he plays the bass, it, it looks a bit, I don't know, it's like he's playing it like a guitar rather than the bass, and he's, the bass lines, I don't particularly like them, they're a little bit, I don't know. So, and I don't know, I'm not entirely sure I fully rate him as a musician. It seems sometimes, because you could hear the sound pretty well, so you could hear each instrument reasonably well. It's a good sound there. And sometimes I couldn't pick out what he was playing, and I wondered if he was tuned down a bit so he could more use it as a prop. No, he might he might get a little bit bored, though. So, you know. Well, yeah, that's what I was wondering, if it was more kind of an Andrew Ridgely approach, where it is that prop rather than... I'm probably being really harsh here. I mean, obviously, you can play piano, bass, guitar. He's a, he's, a, he's a musician and sings at some point. But, yeah, sometimes it did feel like he was... I don't know, his, he was tuned down in the mix, that's all. Mm. It would seem unlikely with him being sort of the only other member of the band, but I suppose it's possible. Yeah, I know. I, I do doubt it, but I just wondered if it's a way of giving him an opportunity to engage more with the crowd because he did come to the front a lot. He did look at the crowd. He was he was a bit more there. So I don't know. It might just be a tune him down a bit. The others cover it, and it just gives him that freedom to to relax a little bit more into the into the crowd stuff, being the rock star, strutting the strutting his stuff. So before we actually get to the the set itself, a couple of things. So first of all, there is the Howell not taking photographs, no cameras issue, which no, you had. We didn't have that at the festival because it was a festival proper and you couldn't possibly do it. But at the Leeds O2 gig, we did have that. And they put a message on and say, you know, please don't use your camera because it helps us, you know, connect to you and everything. And then they march on and Stefan doesn't even look at the audience. They just think, are you really connecting? So I'm in two minds about the whole no phones thing because they just think like, well, you know, you've paid your money, you should be able to take some photographs and whatever. But at the same time, it was very nice that you weren't looking at the back of other people's screens recording every single bloody moment of it. Yeah, I had the same with the phones. And and I agree, they did very little to connect. I mean, I was just saying about Stefan was coming to the front and Brown did a bit as well and they did the hand clappy bits, and but not that much. I mean, Brown was basically just singing and swapping guitars between every song. I don't know, we're grown-ups we can sort of choose ourselves whether or not we want to look through a phone. I don't really want the band telling me off about it. But at the same time, it was actually really nice not having any phones and not be, and not looking at them through a sea of phones or through the person in front. So it, was, it wasn't that there wasn't any phones. It was more the way that they did it and their reasoning because they didn't do that much to really connect with us. They didn't speak that much. They came across as quite aloof. And if you're going to do that and argue that you're trying to, trying to connect with us, I don't know, it just doesn't feel right but on the other hand it's great to have no phones yeah i have to say i mean at, at, at bidded theory they, they didn't really talk much at all at leeds this was when brown's throat he had tonsillitis so his throat was bad so he didn't really talk he did only talk once which was sort of fair enough and i think stefan only talked once as well but so yeah there wasn't like that kind of connection but I don't know, if, they, if they're happier, then guess that might be their way. So as I said, I've, I sort of in two minds about it. But I think that the fact that people don't seem to know, to have sort of control themselves to think, OK, we'll just take a few pictures or maybe just record one song. But there are people who just, he can be, you know, stood behind somebody who's just recording the whole damn thing. And that is really annoying. So... Yeah, it was the way. It was a bit school marmish, a bit sort of like hectoring us, like he was brown owl and he was telling us all off because we'd been naughty. That's what it was a bit. Um, that's what kind of 
like grated a little bit with me and we'll come to it but he did actually give us give us all a jolly good telling off at one point but yeah it was better i did respect it because it was better not having all the things but a few people did sneak a cheeky photos at the end and a couple of videos as they were playing out yeah no i, I agree and I, I i actually did uh film the last song <laughs> a bearded theory it came out really well actually so so the opening track is the same for us both it's the f- opening track of the i was gonna say new album it's not really new now is it the the latest album which I think is a really good opener. It's got a really good start, which sort of helps the open, the, the opening, and the way they can come on. And it's a really, it's a great track. It's one of my favourites off the album. So it's, um, you know, just think a really good strong start. Yeah, Forever Chemicals, first song on the Never Let Me Go album, first song on the set list, and that distorted start allows the backing band to sneak into the shadows at the back and then a little bit later the big two come on placebo themselves so i think that was a good way of of building it up and it was nice as well i mean it's a new song from a new album and you've got this crowd and they treated it like it was a golden oldie you know there was loads of enthusiasm for it loads of engagement with the song for for a new song i think that's pretty good yeah i mean it is a very strong song isn't it so it's um it, it's not that surprising. You know, it's one of the better ones off the, off the new album. Definitely, they're that rare breed of 90s indie band that's actually still making albums as good as what they did, or even better than what they were doing their early stuff. So the whole album's pretty damn good, in my opinion. It is. I agree with you. And then we had Beautiful James after that. Yeah, which is the second song on the new album. I mean, it's, it's another belter, isn't it? A really strong track. A lot of opportunity to sing along. Quite Quite catchy. Yeah, it's a good sort of classic placebo song yeah definitely and for me i've never seen placebo before so for me i was still adjusting to the fact that they were there right in front of me and brian molko was you know i know two or three meters from me and you know when you've never seen a band before live but you know obviously you know the voice really well of the singer but then you see them live and you see that voice come from that person i don't know i always find that really uh, affecting that moment and it's uh and i was still sort of a little bit in that place i'm looking at him going blimey that's brian molko from placebo yeah i did see them tour the first album and that was at the town and country club which is now of course the o2 academy in leeds yeah i saw them that and then just kind of like tailed off a little bit after then yeah i really loved the first album and loved the second album as well but then i sort of just drifted off really real life got in the way other stuff happens other music happens you move on and didn't really dip back in that much so anyway uh, on the set list we have a slight variation now yeah so i had kitty litter which is a slightly weaker song but um it's it's all right and then obviously our, our set list go back together so which is not off the new album as well it is uh i remember it is off battle for the sun which is and I'm not a, an expert on Placebo's back catalogue, but I don't think that is not one of their stronger albums, Battle for the Sun. Yeah, I agree. It's not that, I don't think it's that great, really. There's a few Placebo songs that may land in this kind of middling space of not being terrible by any means, but just feeling a little bit not that great. But I mean, I don't count myself as an expert either. But So the next track is Scene of the Crime, which is from Loud Like Love, which is... Um, it's the hand clappy one again it, i think it's okay again not one of their stronger ones i i would say my wife would definitely agree it's i think it's it's one of her least favorites of theirs yeah it's similar point that i would just said about about kitty litter i think it's it just feels like a couple of ideas repeated rather than it being that great i mean it's good and it's 
and I'm not a big fan of clapping along as a rule. So maybe I don't appreciate as much as others might. Yeah, I just wonder whether it is the the like the clapping in a live sort of arena because it's something you know people can sort of clap along to, and whether it's a bit of audience participation, and that may be why they they play it. And you know, again, to be fair, talking about engaging with us and and creating that uh, that that connection, they did come to the front and encourage clapping, so they weren't completely oblivious to the fact that there was an audience in front of them. And then we go back to the keep trying to say new album, the the latest album with Hugs. It's the third track on the album, so the, the, at the moment they're playing the album tracks in order. And I think this was a step up back. It's actually just showing how strong the the latest album is compared to their other stuff. Agree, great song. Nice, catchy, fun. Not keen on the spelling, not keen on the Z at the end, but I nitpick. Then we both had Happy Birthday in the Sky. And this is the point at which Brian spoke in Spanish. Pretty good Spanish as well, pretty well. He did well. And then he pulled out a paper with a with a Spanish dedication on it, and and he read that out again in pretty decent Spanish. You could understand him very well, very clear. And he dedicated it to Sinead O'Connor, which was really emotional. Actually, he dedicated the whole concert to her, actually, but really focusing mainly on on this song. So yeah, it was it was a really nice moment, and and as I said, pretty emotional. All right, yeah, yeah. So again, that's this is going with the new album, isn't it? So this is. They do break off that now, I think, but uh, this is track four. And it's a, I really do like this song. Again, it's another one of my favourites. I think they originally wrote it for David Bowie, didn't they? I think that's a different song. At, at our gig, he said it for Sad White Reggae. He said, this, we wrote this for David Bowie. Okay, all right. Well, let's assume Brown Mulker's right. So that was nice. And then Stefan himself spoke in Spanish. Again, pretty decent Spanish. And he said, we're going back to the start. And we all got excited, expecting, you know, Nancy Boy or Teenage Angst or something or Pure Morning. Uh, but no, it's Bionic. One of the sort of probably least commercial tracks off the first album, which is probably intentional. I think it's maybe a, a grudging nod to their their early albums. Because obviously they, for both of us as well, this is the only track off the first album and nothing off the second album. Yeah, and it's their breakthrough, and many would regard it, I reckon, as the finest moment. And, you know, it wouldn't hurt. wouldn't hurt. And Brian Mulco says that he's very grateful for those early songs, early hits. You know, he's not, he's not ungrateful, but he sees them as quite naive, and I don't think they're particularly proud of them anymore. Which I suppose, you know, you're looking back on when you were kids and just in your early 20s and the, your first attempts, you're not necessarily going to look back at them with the same pride as you do an album you just chucked out. Now, you know, when you're approaching 50 and you've obviously really learnt your craft. So I can see the point of that. But at the same time, you could still throw them in because for the audience, live music, gigs, following rock and pop bands, it's about nostalgia. It's about, you know, a big part of following the band is about what the music means to you personally and the memories that you have tied up with it. So it's, I don't know, it it just seems a little bit, it doesn't recognise that angle from the music fans' point of view. So you just think, come on, fella, throw us a fucking bone. Yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think regardless of whether it's a festival or not, if you look at the set list generally, they are nodding. Most albums are getting one or two tracks off. So, And the first two albums are their most popular and well-known. So I don't think it would have hurt to have got, you know, a couple of tracks off both. Agree, and I just think it would add some spice to the set list. You know, two or three zingers like that, and you're really, you know, pepping it up a bit. But yeah, I mean, I, I loved it, and uh, and I noticed that going on your own as well. It's a time when you can 
just really totally be yourself and connect with the music and connect with the musicians. And I kept noticing that I was dancing around, you know, I kept looking at myself and thinking, oh, look at you, you're dancing. Whereas if I think if I was with other people, I would be more self-conscious and less likely to dance or, well, I know that I've done that before when I've been with other people. I'm much less, much less free in that sense because you, because you can't help noticing that I'm being observed. So it's a really nice opportunity when you go on your own to dance. Yeah. Ideally to songs we know. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be dancing. No, no, I, I would not be dancing. Yeah. I remember we went to see God years ago, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago, whatever it was, when we went to see James Taylor Quartet, JTQ, we went to see them in, uh, I suppose it was the Town and Country Club then what's now the o2 and you wouldn't dance at all you wouldn't bloody budge and i was there watching um i was there saying come on it's thing to saskia nutch we've got to at least dance to that you wouldn't have it i'm not some kind of puppet for your entertainment fella i noticed when i do do any moves it's of my own choice and i generally choose not to i know you didn't even get your groove on for jtq I don't really remember the james taylor one i think i think i went because my life story was supporting is that right I don't remember. I mean, I know I'd seen JTQ in the Jazz Cafe, I think it is, if that's the one in Camden in London. And I I just had a ball. I had a great time. And I thought, well, it'd be good fun. They were hitting leads. Let's go and see them. So, uh, but no, you were there. Rock solid, statuesque, supping your pint. Well, that's my way of supporting, fella. We all have our ways. I forgot to say as well, just before it started, I... uh, I realised I was standing in front, towering over this girl who was standing behind me and obviously entirely obscuring her view. And I said, oh, do you want to go in front? Because it didn't really make any difference to me. I'm, I'm sort of second-ish row. I'll just be third-ish row. It doesn't really make any... I could see perfectly clearly, perfectly well. And she was uh, really grateful. And uh, she turned around and bought me a beer. So there you go. Things that can happen when you're on your own. Oh, excellent. Then I couldn't get rid of the cup. And this was really irritating. The yes, then they're holding a bloody cup. And uh, I noticed that the people next to me were a couple, young couple, and they uh, they were at the point where they really should have got a room, but they were both holding cups as well. And you could see them looking around, where do I put these, where do I put these? And the girl and the couple sort of walked off to try and put them somewhere, and I just popped mine in the top. <laughs> yeah, well, she's fine, it worked, she got rid of it. We were at Bionic, weren't we? So yeah, Bionic, and next was Surrounded by Spies. So what do you think of that one? It, it's all right. It's fine. It's certainly not one of the best ones, but it's it's, a, it's more of an album filler, but not in a in a sort of bad way. I think it's just because the, the album is good. This isn't one of the be- one of the better tracks. I completely disagree. It's absolutely one of my favourites. I love it. I oh, absolutely okay. loved it. And I was really excited to see this as well. And yeah, it, it lived up to it. So then we had Sad White Reggae. Yeah, that, as I said, that's the one that they said that they had you know written for david bowie and i've say it's one of the highlights of the set for me that it just sounded absolutely amazing really really enjoyed sad white reggae me too loved it really good song i think really emotional really quite quite uh and it's a better song than the title suggests <laughs> yes yeah yeah then we had uh try better next time which for me is another fairly mediocre number and that's a bit too straightforward stringing along with not quite enough ideas it's all right but not not really my thing. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think that's that's definitely that is um, off the latest album as well, isn't it? Yeah. Then it was too many friends. Yes, too many friends. So this is off Loud Light Love as well, and this this is a jolly song. I think I do like this one. Jolly, yes, but not brilliant. I mean, I liked it, and in constant, you know, I tend to like most songs, but again, not a big favourite of mine. 
Yeah, then we went into Went Missing. Yeah, I mean, for us as well, this was dedicated to Andy Fletcher off of Depeche Mode fame. And he, he had just died at this time, fairly recently. So that was his dedication for our, our gig. This seems like more of a slower track and not quite as strong as I think, you know, going back to what we we're saying about the set list and how we could have put in earlier tracks. This perhaps would be one that I would be suggesting could have been dropped. Again, totally disagree with you. This is, I absolutely love this track. I think it's one of my top tracks on the album. I think it's just haunting. It's just it's just gorgeous. I absolutely loved it. And it was brilliant live. Fair enough. I mean, because they are going into actually other stuff. They're actually stopping playing the new album, isn't there? Which I'm kind of full of contradictions here with uh, all the stuff because I'm sort of saying they shouldn't be playing so much of the new album. But yeah, it is actually all pretty good. Yeah, that's true. All the best songs so far have been off the new album. It's funny, isn't it? Because if I'm knocking any songs out the set list, it would be the others. Everything from the new album I'd keep on. It really shows you how good it is, Never Let Me Go. It just shows you how good it is. It's the older tracks that we'd drop, and you wouldn't drop the new ones. But as I said, obviously, if you were going to drop a couple of the newer tracks, we'd probably all disagree on which ones they were. But uh... So, for what it's worth, which is from Battle for the Sun... I think it was around this time, I'm not sure exactly, but I think it was around this time when he started hectoring us, as I mentioned earlier. And for me, it was just a bit over the top. You know, people were generally cooperating. So for him to be telling us off and saying all about the, uh, telling us to put our phones down and all of this stuff, it just felt a little bit over the top to me. Yeah. I mean, we had, at ours, we had him, he was telling off somebody, I think, who was right in front of him, who had the phone, and he was saying, oh, it's putting me off, which I'm not sure whether it, were, it, it was. It's lame excuse. It feels like it goes a bit with that sort of aloof strut, a bit arrogant even. But then, you know, you shouldn't really be, I don't know, right in front of him if they've just asked you not to use the phone. You shouldn't be doing it right in front of him. Now, this was a bearded theory, so nobody had actually been asked to not use the phone. But it, but it was right in front of him, so it... it may well have been putting him off at, at Leeds in the O2 Academy as far as I could see the rules being observed I think in the last song the few people got the phones out because then you you think well you know you're not going to chuck me out now are you it all felt a bit silly to me this lecture it felt like a teacher you know like the teachers do that it's your time you're wasting not mine because he was saying you know we're not carrying on until I'm satisfied the phones are away and you know I can see you on the bleachers as well I can see you and I just thought, oh, yeah, come on, fella, calm down a bit. I've seen on YouTube him telling somebody off. I think it was in, in France who's telling the audience off and it's all a bit, seems a bit contrived and a little bit condescending and just think like, you know, just just get on with it. Like you say, virtually everybody respects it. So, And there's the bit actually in two, no, it must have been before because in Too Many Friends, he actually changed the words and he sang, when all you characters do all day is stare into a phone. He changed the words into... It wasn't the word characters, by the way. It was another C word. Is it Charlie's? Yes, Charlie's, yeah. Similar to the word Charlie, yes. When all you Charlie's do all day is stare into your phone. It's a bit harsh, I thought, to be shouting at a paying audience that were basically respecting their wishes. Yeah, then it was Slave to the Wage. Yeah, it, it it's not a bad song. It relies a lot on the, the vocal melody, which is pretty decent, but the music's not, to me, that great. Although I do like the chorus, is it? Look at this. I'm sick and tired of Maggie's farm. She's a bitch with broken arms. Is that the one? That's what I sing, anyway. I would need to look on the internet for these Google the lyrics for you there. It's like... 
Sick and tired of Maggie's farm. No, you're right. It is sick and tired of Maggie's farm. She's a bitch with broken arms to wave. Your worries and cares, goodbye. Yeah, well, that's lovely. <laughs> that that reminds me of um, Bob Dylan, Maggie's farm, of course, because he's another one who awkwardly refuses to play any song anyone's ever heard of. Because he he actually opens the same festival, not just Botanico. He played two nights running, and both concerts he he came on, didn't look at the audience, sat at the piano played essentially his new album, walked off without looking at the audience. Oh. And that was the entire thing. Not a, not a single sort of hit from the, the old days or anything. And uh, I saw him uh, years ago in Alicante, and the same thing, but more or less. He came on, they came on, they played Maggie's Farm. Thought, oh, I've heard of that. Played what I'm assuming was their new album. Didn't look at the audience once, sat at his piano, no interaction, played like a Rolling Stone at the end, and then just all stood in the line while we all applauded. No words, no acknowledgement, and then they just all filed off. So placebo are definitely not the bottom of the pile. Someone even more awkward and uncrowd pleasing. Yeah, they're not right at the bottom then of the league. No, no, there's a theme. Dylan, Van Morrison, I guess, would be one. Now, placebo are not in the same league at all, but there's just there's just an element of pleasing themselves rather than. Yes, I mean, at least to be honest, at least they just get on and play the songs, doesn't it? And they're, uh, you know, at least they're still very good. Oh, yes. And, and they came to the front. They did the hand clapping. There was a bit. I mean, I'm, I'm slightly exaggerating. But the, it, it did feel a little bit like they were going through the motions. But, you know, they, they, they at least appeared to notice that there were, you know, 3,000 living creatures in front of them. The set lists break now. So I get Special K next, which is also from it Black Market Music. And you get Song to Say Goodbye. What's that from? Do you know? Meds, I think. It is. It was the last album I bought before the latest one. I uh, dipped my toe back in, in in the placebo pond around that time of Meds, and I quite liked it. Yeah, I mean, I don't really remember the Meds album that that well. I think I listened to it once or twice because you said it was good, but I didn't really agree with you. I think you like you liked it more than I did. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, it, I mean, it did Paul, and it, it, there was a few good tracks, but I don't think it kind of strung out over the whole album that much. I think it just was the flush of excitement of this new album and me remembering that I liked placebo. Oh yeah, there was, I forgot to say as well, earlier in the gig there was a little kid behind me and I thought, oh, okay, you know, go in front, no problem, pushing mother, pushing her forward. And she got right to the front, you know, it was only a couple more people. She got right to the front and then they lifted her over and actually let her sit and watch the gig from that area between the barrier and the the stage, which was quite nice. And the mother was gesticulating to, to the band to try and get them to notice, but they weren't having any of it. Yeah, that's probably quite nice as well, obviously is probably safer as well, so they're not going to get a crushed child. So on the set list, we actually finish off of the main set with the same two songs. So we've got The Bitter End, Rob Sleeping With Ghosts, and then Into Infrared, which is off meds, Go back to meds. Yeah, it's cracking out true. I mean, two really strong songs, Infrared especially, a really good sing-along rock song. Yeah, I think it's a nice, um, strong, you know, strong finish with both songs together. I, you know, I'm sort of fans of them both. Yeah, then the encore. I mean, there was not much crowd noise, I have to say. I don't know if crowds are growing tired of the farce or it was just late in the evening or what, but it really was a bit subdued. There wasn't a lot of cheering and chanting to try and get them back on the stage. Maybe. Or maybe they were just, you know, feeling about them being aloof and they were being aloof back. Maybe. It was a bit flat. I mean, it's not what I expected. I mean, I can't do it all on my own. You've got to get the... The crowd has to be the one doing the clapping and the chanting. But, you know, maybe, maybe the aloof thing... But arrogant, well, arrogant's a bit strong, maybe. 
Yeah, I'm not sure arrogant. I just think it's, I think it's probably, it's just the way they are. But I, I think because they did the thing with the phones and saying, you know, saying that the reason is so that they can connect with the audience. And then they didn't really make much effort to connect with the audience. No, aloof does not a connection make. We seem, like I say, like we, we were right. Particularly in Leeds, it could see because we were just above where Stephens does at the side of the stage. So we saw him march on. He didn't even look at the audience. That marched on, went and get his bass and everything. And it's kind of like you're not really connecting. And obviously, Brian's throat was not well in Leeds as well. So he didn't. I know he only spoke once, but he did actually speak more than Stefan did because he did stop and he he sort of explained everything about his throat and that was it. And Stefan, I think, only said a couple of lines. So. You know, and that's fine. We all have different personalities, different ways and everything. But it just seems a bit weird when they do the whole phone thing and about connecting. Yeah, well, yeah, they make this big fat fuss about the phones thing and then don't really make that much effort to connect. So it just draws attention to that. And I've been to a lot of gigs and a lot of bands don't connect that much. So I don't think they're unusual in that regard. But it's just because they've made the point. Yeah. I mean, talking of the backing band, I did think it was a little bit weird to have the backing bands push quite so far back. In the, so it was the four of them at the back, I think. Yeah, four. So that you're you're a six piece band, and obviously you've got four of them all squashed together at the back to make all this space for Brian and Stefan. You just think, is that quite so necessary? I think it's a nice dynamic because they've got the backing band at the back in the shadow that are hard. They're not invisible by any means, but it contrasts very well with the duo that is placebo at the front. Yeah. I get, I get why then them two were at the front and everything, but I just felt they were just pushed a little bit too far back and not, they did look, I mean, cause you know, the, the stage in Leeds and a bearded fear is big enough for everyone, but they did just feel like a sort of little bit pushed too back and together too much. I think, but it may be right. Maybe it was left like a, for a, a visual effect as well as, as part of that. Well, I don't expect they'd be complaining about it. No, I don't think they would dare. So the encore, yeah, they came and did shout the Tears of Fears cover. Yeah, which is their technically, I think their latest release was a came came out as a single. Which I've not heard it live, but I I don't like the single. How how did it translate live? Yeah, I think it was better live than it than the recorded version. The recorded version seems a bit pointless to me. I mean, the original song was 1985, and it's a decent pop song back then, but it, it sounds a little dated. But it's fun to sing along to, and it was good to hear Stefan, because Stefan did the Kurt part of the vocals, and, you know, decent song originally. I'm not sure they're adding much to it. I think they could have done better with that slot there in the in the gig. Yeah, well, they don't really play their own hits, so it's quite good that they'll play somebody else's. Yeah, good <laughs> point, yeah. And you had Post Blue? Yeah, which is a track off Meds. Which again, so I wasn't that familiar with the track. And you got Fix Yourself, which is often the latest album again. Yeah, and a really good song, I think. Uh, worked like a charm for me, but arguably not really an encore track to be playing something off the new album. So I, I don't know, maybe it was another point where you would naturally chuck a hit in. But yeah, Fix Yourself, I'd say, is probably better than Post Blue. So I was quite happy. It was all right. It was, again, not one of my favourite placebo songs but they didn't play anything rubbish off this gig so oh no absolutely i mean we're talking about highs and lows but they're only low in comparison i mean there was it's it's not an absolute thing i mean i enjoyed every single song and and i thought on the whole they were really good so when we talk about highs and lows it's only in comparison but uh and talking of highs uh last song and they went to another cover and but this time it was running up that hill the kate bush classic yes which is really good and um, one of my wife's 
favourite track. She really wanted to hear that, so she was very happy that 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 came on. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a really good cover, but I mean, it's a it's a really good cover, but it's also a really good original song, and it's one of those things that I really listen to the lyrics, and for me, they're just outstanding. You know, they just it's just lyrically incredible. I'm not necessarily someone who always puts that much value into lyrics, but sometimes they just really get you. And it's one of them because it's such a skill to do that as well, because lyrics written down can sometimes look a bit banal or a bit, you know, it's not poetry. It's a different skill. Put them to music. They could cut you to the right to the bloody heart, can't they? And I don't know, there's just something about this, something about the way Kate Bush expresses herself, which I just find just incredible, just, just really moving. Although just to finish on a, on a cover, I don't know, maybe again you'd finish on one of your own biggies, but no problem for me. I really liked it. Loved the way it distorted to the end. I thought it was great. And as it was happening and as they were waving and saying goodbye, this is the point that Brian actually got, you know, untaped his set list and then he gave it to that kid that I told you about, the one who uh, the one who was on the front. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, a bit of touch of humanity from our Brian. So yeah, all in all, really enjoyable gig. I know we've moaned a bit about it and we've said a couple of things, not engaging that much and whatnot, and then telling us off about the phones and stuff. But actually, I had a brilliant time. It was really, really good. And I'd definitely see them again. Yeah, I think quite similar. I mean, it is thoroughly enjoyable and would definitely recommend anyone to go see them, even if, you know, obviously if you do want to just hear tracks off the first couple of albums, you're not going to get that. But but they are great anyway. Yeah, that's a slightly more mixed up set list, a bit more crowd pleasy. That would have been the, the cherry on the icing on the cake. But yeah, as, as you say, it was still a really good gig. Yeah, I do think I follow fan groups on on Facebook and things. And I, I do believe that they do switch and do sort of more best off tours as well. But it just is at the moment they're in there promoting the latest album. So they just don't budge from it. Yeah, it's inspired me to explore their back catalogue a lot more as well, go back and, and fill in the missing pieces. My knowledge is patchy, as we discussed. So yeah, perhaps they'll feature on the main Jeffra show at some point. Yeah, so it will be good to go back. And I, I do have a big gap in the middle of albums I'm not familiar with. Yeah, me too. Okay, so let's end it there. Just a reminder, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter under at Jeffrey Podcast and it's jeffreymusic.rocks for our website with all the articles and lists. <laughs>